Welcome to CrossFit Versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to crossfitter to expecting first time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for do's and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby would be to speak to those with first-hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Hi everyone, welcome back. This is episode 14 of CrossFit versus Pregnancy with me, Misha, expecting first-time mum. I once was a CrossFitter, maybe not so much now, but hope to be back to it post-pregnancy. And this is a podcast about reassuring new mums about training in throughout their pregnancy. Today, as a, a bit of a throwback, because it's been a while, I'm joined by our in-house ex-midwife, Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. Hi. It really has been a while, hasn't it? It, it feels like ages, <laughs> actually. And it feels like since I last spoke to you, I'm suddenly pregnant, which sounds ridiculous, but as in physically the way that I look, it's there's no hiding it now. There's there no really hiding. isn't. The, the pictures that I've seen, there is no hiding that bump anymore. Well, actually, I haven't put um, any pictures on social. I was thinking that for about four weeks. So I think actually it's time that I do. So you will probably be a bit shocked again. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, absolutely. A little bump date. Uh, So yeah, I am now 28 weeks currently, but as of tomorrow, I'm 29 weeks. So correct me if I'm wrong, Charlotte, but does that mean I'm now definitely in my third trimester? I believe so. Yes, you are flying through this pregnancy. Oh my God, it is actually scary how quickly it's going. I think I might have said this to you before and I keep saying it to people who keep saying, Oh, it's not long now, is it? Because the baby isn't due until 2023 and it's 2022, it feels like it's so far away because it's next year that I'm having a baby. But actually, in the grand scheme of things, you can be full term from 37 weeks officially. So that's less than 10 weeks. And when I put it like that, that's a little bit scary. <laughs> That's eight eight weeks. Oh, thanks eight for weeks. reminding me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you yeah, it's it's not long. Um, but at the same time, I'm definitely excited. And something that I've actually spoken to my partner Ollie about this week is how. I'm really not fearful of birth and I think that's something that is going to be natural for any first time pregnancy Um, and that's an assumption that I'm making and the reason I think that I'm not fearful is because much like in Ellie, any part of my life, I like to be incredibly informed and educate myself for any circumstance so anything that could possibly happen I have my ideal I have that within my job my life you know we all have these goals and aspirations but I also have the possibilities of failure or things that aren't going to go my way or the way that I want them to go so I 
I'm not scared of birth. I'm, I can't say I'm excited about it, but I'm not scared about it. So something I wanted to speak to you, Charlotte, today is about how you would approach patients that might be a bit fearful. Now we're in the third trimester, it's very real, you know, obviously there is um, a possibility that you could have a baby and it be healthy, you know, and grow as normal at any time in your third trimester, hopefully not. Um, yeah, fingers crossed, not I, just yeah, yet. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Um, but yeah, is, is fear something and anxiety about birth something that you hear, you used to hear a lot? It definitely is. I think a lot of it is down to the unknown, especially when it is your first baby and your first pregnancy. And you've never, it's something you've never been through before. And everyone can say, oh, it feels like this. It feels like that. It starts off feeling like period cramps. That's so subjective to every Mm. person. What I might think is bad period cramps compared to what you might think is bad period cramps. Right. It's, it could be polar opposites. And I think a lot of it is to do with reassuring people that actually feeling that fear and that nervousness is very, very normal and normalising feeling nervous about it rather than brushing it and brushing it away and being like, oh, you shouldn't be scared of it. It's an exciting time because mm. actually it is quite a nerve wracking time. But right. like labour aside, giving birth to a human that you're then going to look after, it's It is scary and it is nerve-wracking for Mm. anyone, no matter how ready you feel. And I think it's about normalising that for women more than anything. Absolutely. And also being prepared as well. Like I say, I feel like I inform myself, I prepare myself for any eventuality. And what I mean by that is, you know, I I haven't written a birth plan yet. I'm still, I'm, I'm actually very near the end of my hypnobirthing course, which I mentioned weeks ago. Life's just been very busy and I haven't been able to give it my full focus. But for me, hypnobirthing hasn't been something that I felt that I needed to rely on. It's a mindset I think I already have as a competitive athlete that I'm looking and and as a professional in and a self-employed professional as well in that I like to be fully informed about anything I'm about to encounter or take on so informing myself of all eventualities is something that I really like to do and I think that that is so empowering in any situation but I can imagine that many women through lack of experience of doing such or perhaps they relying on their healthcare professional to essentially give them all the information and as we know from from this podcast and from what you've said and other professionals within the NHS realm that information can be pretty sparse in terms in terms of advice and essentially what what we're told and what we're guided with so I know I'm quite a long way off now but is there any as always talk thinking about the days when you're working for the NHS are there any boundaries that you have to stick within or any guidelines that you have to follow when it comes to guiding women about their birth choices um to some extent yes obviously there is guidelines that you have to follow um and that are recommended to follow that being said guidelines are guidelines and as healthcare professionals we have to follow the guidelines yeah however if um a guideline for example is um 
vaginal examinations every four hours to see how you're progressing um, when you're in the first stage of labour. And although that is a guideline, you are well within your rights to say no. Like if you research it and you feel comfortable... Like for me personally, I'm very impatient. I would want to know. I would want to know if I'm progressing. Mm. But for some people, they find that very off-putting and invasive. Invasive. And it is is invasive. Like it's a very private um, part and you are very vulnerable. And for some women, they may not realise that they are allowed to say no to things. Mm, exactly. Obviously, your your midwife or your doctor or whoever's looking after you is going to explain the reason. If you decline it and say, oh, I don't want to be examined, they're going to explain the reasons why we'd recommend you be examined. But if you've done the research and you feel that, no, I don't need to be examined every four hours, you are well within your rights to say no. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. And don't maybe feel as empowered because they're like oh well my health care professional said this I don't need to question it and I'm just gonna do as I'm told essentially mm. and it's about taking that back into your own hands and doing some of your own research like you've done 100% I could not agree more and actually thinking about what you've just said, apart from hypnobirthing um, if you haven't heard the episode where I did briefly touch on it I would definitely recommend anyone that has no experience or understanding about what hypnobirthing is. There is um, a few podcasts which which give you some, and I'm sure there's plenty of YouTubes as well, that give you a definition, some explanation about what it is. Because I was incredibly wrong about what hypnobirthing was before I knew and found out for myself what it was. And essentially what the process of hypnobirthing what it teaches you apart from to work you through labor and contractions and and support you through that and how to approach it it also informs you of the choices that you have and empowers you to feel confident about making those choices so something I would actually recommend I'll put I'll put it in the notes I think I might have done it once before I'm definitely going to blame baby brain if I have but is a book called The Positive Birth Book. It is extensive. It is long, but it is really worth a listen. There are stories from doctors, midwives, mums, first-time mums, you know, parents of all-aged kids. And it's so informative and empowering to hear other people's stories but also to hear all about your options your choices you know like like you said Charlotte the fact that we we do have rights and that's something that I know I've actually mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast before that the the conversations that I've had with for example my mum who is 70 she had me when she was also 35 that's how old I am now and so back in the 80s that the idea of having some kind of choice about how you were going to give birth blows her mind because there just wasn't that option you were going to a hospital as long as you got there in time and you would follow the process and that would normally be sat in a bed and if you you know if something needed to be done there was no rights there was no choice it was just done 
And so since that point, since the 80s, there has been so much done to give women back their rights on choice about how they approach their birth. And I think it's awesome. And I think knowing that and knowing that we have rights, regardless of where you choose to give birth, or perhaps you don't choose, it just happens, is so important, even if you have a high risk or, you know, you you are having to you end up being in some kind of surgical situation there are still rights to be had and I think that's so important so yeah I'll put the link to the book and I would recommend it's definitely something to look at anyway moving on because I love a chat don't I so this week we love going off on a chat oh god God, (laughs) tangents are my thing for sure so this week I had my 28 week midwife appointment and I'm interested to know a little bit more about this because I, as you all know by now, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to doing my research and asking questions. And my midwife this week, who, uh, by the way, I still haven't met a consistent midwife. I've seen a different one every single time, which is fine. It is what it is. But I wish they would stop promising that next time I will meet my midwife because I just don't believe it to be true now. But regardless, I had a wonderful midwife this week. She was so lovely, down to earth, was really happy. Well, she seemed to be happy to answer my million and one questions about what she was doing and why she was doing it. But this week was the first time that she measured my tummy, my bump. And from my own research, I found that to be called the fundal height measurement. Is that right, Charlotte? Yeah, that's correct. So, okay, tell us about why we do this and what's, I suppose, seen to be good or normal and where, we, where it would seem to be something that they would need to step in with. Okay, so start. So starting with the reason why it's called the fundal height is because of um, the pimp, the points that you use to measure. So you measure from the very top of the uterus down to the fundus, and the fundus is the bone that is right at the front of the pelvis, which is why it's fundal height measurement. And you start at, I believe it's twenty five weeks plus, but you generally don't have an appointment at 25 weeks yeah so we do it from 28 weeks the 28 week one gives us a base as to where we're starting now it used to correlate with the number of weeks that you were plus Mm -hmm. or minus two centimeters so if you were 28 weeks we'd expect you to be between 26 and 30 centimeters Mm -hmm. and that would get plotted on the graph and if you were less than that or more than that then we'd um, request a scan to make sure that baby's grown okay not grown too big and not grown too small however that has now changed there's a new um i believe it was an initiative that was brought in it's called gap and grow and this is a chart and on the chart they fill in the um details about the mum so the mum's height and the mum's weight because if you can imagine a lady that is five foot and is i don't know 10 stone, for example, is not going to grow the same as a lady that is six foot and is 12 stone. Mm -hmm. Those babies and the way that they grow is just not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. And so the measurement of centimetres and weeks has seemed to be a bit outdated. And actually we were missing small babies or big babies because it wasn't um, 
subjective to the lady and her body. And so the new Gap and Grow looks at a trend. And so the base starting point at 28 weeks gets marked on your graph. And then with your BMI and your information, and if you've had previous babies, you get a average line. And providing you're sort of plotting around the average line, there's no concerns at that point. And then as your pregnancy grows further into the pregnancy and baby grows we plot the measurements on this graph and if the growth of the baby sort of tails off a little bit and plateaus we would get you scanned because it suggests that baby is maybe not growing as well as he or she should be Mm -hmm. if there's a massive increase in um, baby's growth then again we'd get you scanned and the same if baby just doesn't grow at all between the two measurements Mm -hmm. as the baby's growth can be sort of one of the first signs that maybe the placenta isn't working as well as it should be. And also, if you're suddenly growing a much bigger baby, it could be suggestive of uh, gestational diabetes. So we can try and catch that earlier to prevent sort of the poor outcomes that can come later in pregnancy if these sorts of things are missed. Mm, and it's um, it's quite interesting. Obviously, there's times where um, you might plot it and then... You're like, yep, this baby is a bit small, so we'll send the lady for a scan, send it for a scan, and they're like, no, the baby's absolutely fine. And it's because of baby being a bit lower or baby being a bit sure. higher Got or it. position and that kind of thing. But it's always definitely better to get a scan and double check than it is to just be like, yep, that's fine. We yeah. won't worry about that. Yeah, um, amazing. So yeah. It, it was so interesting to because, of course, I was like, show me the graph explain the graph <laughs> so you know of... the exact graph that I'm on about you can see it in your head <laughs> yeah and actually you can google it if you google yes, gap you and grow um there are examples don't put your own measurements into it because remember it is subject to an individual's height and body weight um so that does change things so yeah don't use an example that um you can just google however yeah, my, my baby was, so there is a central line on the, which is kind of the ideal, I suppose, plotting through, according to those measurements, through the centre. And then there is sort of the top point, which you say before it was two centimetres um, above and two centimetres below. Um, it actually changes throughout the uh, throughout the weeks now, so it's not always two centimetres. That's something that really yeah. interested me as well. Um, but mine was, I think I was literally spot on. She said, you are absolutely where you should be. But yeah, it'd be really interesting every time I go to have a look at that graph. Um, because as, as I said, you know, I'm, I am a data person. I do like to understand what's being done and and why and and the results so um i'll keep you guys informed on that but at the moment for all those people out there and there's a lot of you and you're probably not listening to this that keep telling me that my bump is really small at 28 weeks you can shut your faces because (laughs) no it's not it's fine (laughs) it's absolutely (laughs) where it should be thank you very much you can get you can get your graph out the next time someone says anything you're like hold on a minute i'm gonna prove to you it's not (laughs) (laughs) you know what and i probably will charlotte i probably will so the only other thing that i wanted to mention about what i've noticed change has actually been quite a recent slap in the face I'm gonna say it like that 
<laughs> so last weekend it was if you're listening to this uh, you know not live shall we say last weekend from when we're recording was bonfire night guy fawkes night there we go there's the official term and fairly locally to me and nothing is very local to me in hereford i live pretty out in the sticks there was a huge firework display I won't go into masses of detail, but I decided to walk there, meet a friend who was driving from a few miles back away. Uh, It took me 40 minutes to walk there, just to put into perspective. I think if I wasn't pregnant, I probably would have done it in maybe 35. So I'm still walking a lot. It wasn't particularly slow. (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of puts into perspective distance for you. When I got there... Unfortunately, the roads were so busy that my friend didn't make it. And so I watched, it was fine. I'm not someone who gets caught up about being on my own. Um, I watched the fireworks on my own. And whilst I was waiting for the fireworks to start, my back started to feel pretty sore. So I'd walked for 35 minutes. This was a Saturday. So on a Saturday that day, I'd also been to the gym in the morning. I had done a lower body session, so resistance-based session, not a CrossFit session. I had walked my dog twice, which is not an abnormal thing for me. Um, So general, very normal day for me, but not out of the ordinary. Um, Apart from this additional walk in the evening, uh, my back started to really hurt, standing, waiting. I must have looked like I was in quite a lot of pain, but I was just essentially bending over, stretching my hamstrings, trying to round my back a bit to get it to feel a bit better and then it dawned on me that because my friend wasn't coming and she wasn't going to be able to drop me home that I was going to have to walk home too there was just no point in getting a cab because the roads were completely blocked for miles so I sucked it up and I walked home it took me 50 minutes to walk home because it was pretty sore but by the time I got home I can honestly say it was like my body was screaming at me you need to stop because my back was so sore I could barely put one foot in front of the other I must have quite honestly the next day um Ollie hasn't been home so I had to walk Coda I must I looked like I'd shit myself whilst I was walking like that's the kind of (laughs) that's what I was dealing with essentially um the kind of uncomfortable um yeah the pain that I was feeling through my back and I and I truly believe it was my body saying enough is enough because I'm still training anywhere between three to five days a week depending on my schedule depending on how I'm feeling in terms of sleep etc I'm being very sensible not to overtrain. but I still walk my dog twice a day you know I'm very active although I have a sedentary job it's I still make sure I stand up a lot and so at 28 weeks, I was basically told by my body that I needed to slow down a bit. And I have listened. I say that and people probably don't believe me. My friends who are listening will say, ha, ah, yeah, sure she hasn't. But no, I truly have. Ollie came back from work this week. He has walked Coda every day. I haven't been on one dog walk. And I've done that because I knew that my body needed to recover. So in your experience, Charlotte... At what point do you think women start to say, 
I feel really pregnant. Is there a, a norm or is it really different for everybody? I think it's different for everybody and depending on what pregnancy you're on as well. I feel like you get fed up earlier when it's not <laughs> when it's not your first baby. Sure. When it's like a subsequent pregnancy. That being said, you're kind of so busy with another baby that you kind of don't notice it as much yeah. um, from mm. what women have told me. Um, I would probably say around 28 to 32 weeks. And I think a lot of it is because, like you, like you said, all of a sudden you become very pregnant. Mm. You kind of go through the first up to like 24 weeks being obviously pregnant but not having those sort of the heaviness of pregnancy and that kind of thing and then when you hit 28 32 weeks all of a sudden you become very pregnant you go Mm -hmm. from being a little bit pregnant and a little bit of a bump to full-on bump and very very pregnant and that's when babies started to gain weight and everything like that as well so I'd say it probably is around now that you do start to get more awareness like you said that you are pregnant mm. and that mm-hmm. you are fer- like fairly far into your pregnancy journey as well. Well, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I, full term officially, I know everybody says 40 weeks, but really it's between 37 and 42. So like yeah. we said, eight weeks really until I'm seen as full term. It's not a huge amount of time. I've done the most part. So it's inevitable that this last trimester is going to be the time where your body is experiencing a change like it never has if it's your first pregnancy in terms of the weight through your, you know, in at front of your body. Um, and I think having had, uh, and I was so grateful for, for my friend and sports therapist to see me yesterday on a cancellation. Thank you, Faith, if you are listening to this, that she basically had a look, you know, gave me a treatment, gave me a massage, and said, what's funny about pregnant women is even those that train, it's not like when individuals come to me and they need a, a, a deep tissue massage and their muscles are tight. When pregnant women come to me around the areas that most commonly cause discomfort around your pelvis, around your back, it's just that they are engaged and activated the whole time. So when you touch them... There isn't the need to to really go in. There isn't knots. There isn't that. It's just that they need to switch off. So releasing that activity and that um, that engagement is essentially what she did. And it's amazing how she just said, compared to you know time gone by where she's she's treated me and there's needed to be a lot of friction and a lot of work done on on a muscle group or a particular body part or whatever it might be this time it's pretty immediate that she sees the the area relax and change so that was a really interesting way of thinking about it because your posture is changing because the way that your weight is changing your muscles are engaged in a different way the whole time so if you haven't thought about it like that before ladies and you haven't had a pregnancy massage I would highly recommend it yesterday yes they're never going to be as intense as what we're used to of course not but go and see someone who you trust who knows you who knows your body and they can still do some pretty good work and make you feel tons better 
So it's definitely something that's come back onto my radar now. I'm at this point, certainly in my final trimester, it's going to be something that I have much more regularly than I have done. Um, so wanting to move on to talk about training. That's what we're here for at the end of the day. So to revisit something that we've looked at twice on this journey so far is the recommendations about CrossFit during pregnancy. I will put the link in the notes as usual, but this is a an image um, of ba- breaking down your trimesters and adaptations that CrossFitters should make to certain movement skills, um, uh, intensity, etc. Um, as they go through each trimester. So seeing as I'm in the third trimester now, I thought I would relate this to where I'm at with my training and Charlotte's view on if she thinks that that's appropriate or not. So actually there's is pretty brief as we come into the final trimester. There isn't too much uh, more information. We've pretty much done all the major adaptations that we need to do now. And as somebody who I would deem to be more as what they describe or define as an advanced athlete, I'm going to just go through it all. So all athletes should be decrease the weight as necessary, dependent on the form and comfort. Now, what I really love about that is that there is no specificity to it in that it's not you should only work to this percentage of your maximum lift or you should only work with this equipment. It's still giving you the guidelines of if it feels okay and if your form is still okay. Because, of course, as we come into this point of our pregnancies, women are going to have experienced all manner of size differences in their bump. As I've just said, so many people keep telling me that I'm really small. But actually, um, and, and relevant to that, I don't know whether I'm small or whether I'm not. Well, now I do, thanks to my uh, gap and grow chart. <laughs> but re- re- what's relevant to that is that until very recently, uh, the bar path in any kind of Olympic lift has still been really good. And that's something that I've been really conscious of. And when I talk about the, the bar path in Olympic lifting, we talk about the bar from the floor position and the bar staying close to the body until and essentially until it's up onto our shoulder if we're talking or above the head um so naturally as we get further on and bigger that bar path is going to be inhibited inhibited by our bump so i have only recently stopped lifting from the floor and started doing it from a hang position but i'm still doing that and actually that brings me really nicely onto the advanced athlete recommendations and one of those is clean and a snatch from a hang position without even having read this that was a natural adaptation that I made realizing that going to the floor was getting tougher I just didn't have quite as much room to bend all that way but actually from a hang position still felt okay yes the bar path isn't as perfect as it once was but I'm being very conscious not to completely balls up my form the other things that it suggests are no rope climbs I kind of think that's a bit of a given really 
Yeah, I feel like that's that's common sense to maybe not climb a rope when you're 28 weeks pregnant. <laughs> I mean, the last time I climbed a rope, I was about 19 weeks. Uh, it felt pretty comfortable. I was still confident in my strength, my mobility, my capability. Um, and it's not really something that you let go of in a rope climb, whereas I was more fearful about hanging on a rig because... Even though you're not essentially as far off the floor, the movements that we're performing are probably a little bit more risky in terms that if you lose your grip, you're going to fall and it's going to you're going to hit your spine or, you know, it's not going to be a comfortable fall. Whereas with a rope, you've got both your feet and your hands attached you kind of fall to the straight rope. down don't you like yeah. you're gonna land on your feet and your bum rather than like your back or your stomach or yeah and also if you let go if your feet slip um then your hands you might get some rope burn but pretty much it would have to be pretty a massive fuck up for you to, have to be pretty completely... high and at a yeah. bit of a weird position to, yeah um, and almost push yourself, yourself away yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. and almost push yourself away to completely fuck up a rope climb so i but i get that i totally get that um something else it says is use a kettlebell for sumo deadlift high pull so this is where essentially you lift the weight by pulling your elbows leading close to the body and the weight ends up below your chin and your elbows are more like um, in line with your eyes. So if you can imagine that, it's like a pulling motion. I actually did that, a sumo deadlift high pull, last week with a barbell and it felt fine. Um, but, but that's because compared to a clean or a snatch, the foot positioning is much wider. So actually that's, I'm sure many women out there can relate now I'm bigger the only way that I can truly bend down to the floor is if I kneel or I spread my legs and go nearly into the splits <laughs> <laughs> so going into that wide sumo position um and lifting a bar from the floor still feels pretty comfortable to me but that would definitely be a transition for me in weeks to come when I get even bigger and then it says use lighter than normal kettlebell for swings or do one arm swings. Funnily enough, again, without reading this, I actually did a kettlebell biased session this morning. Got a bit of a niggle in my knee and I didn't go very heavy because of the treatment that I'd had yesterday. But yeah, it was great. And I think kettlebells, this is something that I've wanted to say on this podcast for ages. In the CrossFit world, kettlebells aren't utilised enough. They can be evil, I grant you there is some horrific workouts that crossfitters do with kettlebells and they're not easy apparatus at the weights that are prescribed in crossfit however for pregnant women they are amazing and that is because you are utilizing the posterior muscles the glutes the hamstrings the things that we really need to keep strong but also your core in a minimal way without there being too much internal pressure so ladies if you're not using kettlebells in the gym and you're struggling to think about how more you can adapt your movements pick up a kettlebell watch some youtube you know there is some specific technique around using kettlebells and a lot of crossfitters tend to get it wrong i hate to say it they <laughs> use their arms more than they should but yeah i really enjoyed the workout that i did this morning but i did go let me think 30 percent lighter than i would have done pre 
pregnancy. So yeah, I definitely went lighter. So I agree with all of that. To the best of your knowledge, Charlotte, is there anything there that you disagree with or, you know, agree with completely? I don't think so. I think a lot of it, it seems like it's moving away from... um, trying to think of the right right way to say it. it's moving away from being specific to kind of use your common sense yeah totally. if that makes sense mm-hmm. whereas at the beginning because you don't necessarily feel as pregnant or as heavy or you don't notice that you're um, becoming more flexible but not in a good way you haven't made yourself more flexible it's due to the hormones you have to be a lot more careful with what you do whereas now it sort of seems like it's gone more towards you're pregnant, you know you're pregnant, you know your bump's getting bigger, you can start to use sort of just common sense to be like, you know what, like the rope climbs and like you say and hanging off a rig, you're like, I know that I don't feel safe on that because I'm pregnant and because Mm -hmm. there is a risk of falling and Mm -hmm. using that common sense rather than needing to be told to maybe not do it. Does that make sense? A hundred percent and I could not agree more and something I'm actually just reading now sorry if I'm if I sound louder because I'm actually leaning right close to the microphone is to see to remind myself if and when it is recommended that you stop box jumps I can't see it anywhere because this is something okay it's not on there this is something that really bothers me um unless hold on it does say in the substitute section, which is on the bottom left, box oh. jumps, lower box height, or do step ups. But it doesn't tell you to stop doing them. See, this for me is in line with rope climbs. Actually, a lot sooner than rope climbs. Because for any of you CrossFitters out there that have ever had the dreaded shin injury from a box, <laughs> it is honestly. So I, I'm not even a crossfitter and I've done box jumps and it's not oh. it's not nice. For, I don't all. know I don't know why the majority of box boxes that are jumped onto in this world are made of plywood. It just doesn't it blows my mind. But regardless, even if you've never done a box jump, I'm sure you can sort of picture what I'm saying. Not only that, the risk of you potentially missing, especially if you're a little bit tired, um, you know, and tripping. And the centre of gravity moving as right, well. Right, right. Yeah, there are so I, many things that I don't approve of. I agree with of. you on that. Yeah. I think it's a bit of an odd one to not advise you to not do. Absolutely. I couldn't, yeah, I don't know why it's not on there. Um, something else that I'm just quickly having a look at, which I can't also see, is in relation to double unders. Just having a I quick scan. I remember we've scan. spoken about it before. We've spoken about double unders before, but I. Okay, I so. I can't see it. No, it's definitely not on there either, and it's not even in the uh, substitute. It's not in the substitute. Also, a really staple move for CrossFitters, whether it be just jump rope um, or skipping, as the British like to say, but double unders are essentially two two whips of the rope for you to jump in one. I haven't done a double under for, I want to say, 10 weeks. And that's just purely because jumping feels weird. Like, I don't want to jump. Maybe 10 weeks might be a little bit pushing it. Maybe more like eight, six. But I know women, and I'm saying this from a point of view of I don't know how they've done it. And I don't know why they've done it. 
but double unders not so much in terms of risk the most you're going to do is whip yourself but that's not going to necessarily harm the baby (laughs) but jumping when you feel heavier is horrible it feels really shit and I know women that into their third trimester did box jumps I mean fair play they must be so confident but with things like that I always think you never know even if you are so good at them and so efficient and you know that you have the ability fair like I just don't know how and why I think it's a bit stupid all you've got to do is catch a toe exactly and like you could be the best person at the world like you could be the best person in the world like people trip up the stairs you walk up and down stairs on a very regular basis and you don't ever think oh I might trip I might trip but you just do like Mm. it just happens Mm -hmm. and all you've got to do is catch a toe on the box or not quite land where you need to land and the box could tip up and you could go backwards or forwards yeah completely yeah Mm -hmm. I I'm 100% with you on that I don't yeah Yeah. so CrossFit mum let's have some changes please alterations <laughs> not that they're listening but maybe i'll make my own one i think for that's yeah, maybe something at the end of idea. at the end of my pregnancy um when i'm hopefully have put my feet up a little bit more but i will have a, obviously a newborn um but i'm not working as much hopefully then maybe that's something i will um look to put together for for you guys that have listened and about everything that i've learned and all of those that i've spoken to across this journey so write a book i was pushing it a little bit i was just thinking about pdf mate (laughs) (laughs) so i'd like to finish on something that i was so excited about this week and i could just couldn't wait to speak to charlotte about this because it genuinely made me so happy when i saw this over the last few weeks i have every episode mentioned the active pregnancy foundation they are on every social they have their own website essentially it is a collection of professionals from a manner of all professions that have come together to educate the world society do better with educating our health professionals and also the bit that I love the most, come together to perform medical studies around pregnancy, birth, postpartum and exercise and activity. So as you can imagine, I was so excited when I first came across them, hence I keep mentioning them. I'm very excited that in weeks to come to have a couple of members, founders of the Active Pregnancy Foundation Uh, excited to be a part of this podcast so stay tuned for that however this week they have it's I'm so excited it's pathetic really and very sad of me to be that excited but they have released a study that they have done is published on the 4th of November so literally last weekend 2022 the article reads the impact of heavy resistance training on pregnancy and postpartum health outcomes. I mean, if that could not be the most appropriate study for this podcast, then I don't know what is. It was genuinely so exciting to read um, 
the article. So I wanted, naturally, I will put the put it in the episode notes, but I just wanted to give you a real snapshot into why this really excited me. So essentially, the study was performed on 679 individuals who lifted at least 80% one rep max during pregnancy and participated in an online survey. So a lot of women throughout their pregnancy and 80% is high. I have not lifted 80% for a, a, I would say three or four weeks now. And even then it would maybe be once a week and 80% would be a push. So to know that women have been encouraged to do this as part of a study, I was quite good to not be part of it, to be honest. But anyway, we digress. So this is in relation to Olympic weightlifting um, and many other um sort of boundaries around that too. So I won't go into detail of the results, but I will give you the conclusion. Individuals who engaged in heavy prenatal resistance training had typical perinatal and pelvic floor health outcomes that were not altered, I repeat, not altered, whether they engaged in or avoided Olympic lifting, Valsalva or supine weightlifting. Essentially, If you train heavy or you do not, there is no negative implication on your pelvic health. And is that not just music to my ears, to our ears? It really is. I'm I'm like grinning like a Cheshire cat. You can't see my face, but I'm happy. (laughs) But for someone It's it's amazing to read. It's like an absolute breakthrough. It really, it's it, it really is, especially for someone like myself who I actually had this conversation. I have, the, I've had this conversation a lot over the last few weeks about people being mostly positively inspired and shocked about my capabilities at being at the stage where I am now in pregnancy but then when I have conversations you know they say wow how are you lifting that you know you're amazing that's so strong should you be lifting that you know I don't mind that at all because then when I go back to them and I say well actually that's about 50% of what I could maximally lift when you put it into perspective like that I'm not doing anything wrong I'm actually yes to the most part to perhaps a substantial part of the um, of the population, I am lifting very heavy weights that a lot of people would not be capable of starting, you know, in their starting point or at their strongest. But to me, it's not difficult. So give it gave me that reassurance to know that by lifting most of the time, sub 60% of my max is absolutely fine for me, for my baby, for my health um post postpartum so guys go read the study it's so exciting and i'm just so grateful for the ladies the accumulation of amazing ladies that have put this together all of which there are five ladies who are part or a part of this study who headed this study and all of them are a part of the active pregnancy foundation so that just puts into perspective how much respect and admiration and excitement I have around the foundation and what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve going forward. So 
awesome news, ladies. Keep lifting. Just keep doing it. If it feels good, do it. Pick up something heavy and have a great time. I was just so awesome. And I would definitely recommend, if you haven't already, going and checking out the Active Pregnancy Foundation on Instagram. Whether you have are currently pregnant, you know, all of the above, whether you're seeking pregnancy, whether you just have an interest in training, or perhaps you're a coach yourself and you're working with pregnant and postpartum mums, even if you have a relative, if you have a certification in um, pre and postnatal fitness, that truly means nothing. Unfortunately, even the courses that are available today are still pretty Jurassic in their knowledge and their um, education and and the the studies that they use. So check this out. It's super exciting, and I think for most part, it's just really reassuring that we're not doing anything wrong. So go the Active Pregnancy Foundation. Love you guys. So good, and hopefully there's much more what co- to come from where that came from as well. And and of course, my personal passion lies around resistance training, Olympic lifting throwing heavy weights around but I'm there are so many more studies that they have been involved in relating to all different types of sport and exercise so go check them out highly recommend it it's really reassuring and that's it I have as always talked too much and (laughs) left Charlotte in silence way too much (laughs) But as always, I'm so grateful for you joining me. It's been lovely to catch up and and as well, just get your views and your experiences. I think it's so important for women to appreciate that when you are a healthcare professional, you are still met by so many boundaries, even if it's not what you know from your own passion and your own opinion. So thank you. I think it's really empowering to understand that and hopefully reassuring for women that are perhaps a little bit more anxious about things. So hopefully I can have you back again really soon. Yes, absolutely. I I really enjoy doing it and I really enjoy chatting to you. And I actually learn, like, with the studies and stuff, uh, I find it really interesting myself, as it is a passion that I have as well, but also things that I'm learning uh, Mm. that we didn't get to at uni or we didn't look into. So, yeah. Thoroughly enjoying being with you. Thank you. That's lush. Well, I'm going to sign off and say thank you so much for listening. If you guys have anything that you want to get in touch, whether it be a comment or an experience or a question, you can get in touch with me at info at MishaPT.com or any of the socials, including the CrossFit versus Pregnancy podcast, Instagram, are all in the episode notes. Drop me a DM, ask me a question. Let me know how you're getting on in your pregnancies or if any of this information has helped you all. And I will be back hopefully next week, subject to me feeling any more pregnant. No, I'll be back next week. And Charlotte will be back really soon. Thanks for listening, guys. You take care. Bye. Thank you.